Welcome to the latest episode of Platform. I have coronavirus, so if I sound a bit weird or look even more haggard than usual, that is the reason. Today's guest is Austin Paz. I'm a huge fan of Austin Paz for his skating, for his filming, for his photography, and most recently for his being one part of Jump Street Podcast. I first encountered Austin on Raw News via the edits that he used to make for his wheel sponsor, Eulogy, and just loved his style. Just everything was really like tucked in, precise. He had just an incredible true spin topside game. He got really low in his grinds. He was just one of these people that like laced a trick. You know, some people, some skaters like snatch at it and, you know, look lucky to escape unharmed. Austin is not one of those people. When he lands a trick, he lands it legit. He has been sponsored by some brilliant companies over the years, like Valo, Eulogy, like I mentioned. He was sponsored by Able Frames, also Aggressive Mall. And in most recent years, well, his late latest batch of sponsors, he was sponsored by Be Unique, who obviously had a huge influence on the blading scene and then create originals i think he might still be riding for create originals or still getting free product from them i'm not sure in addition to skating you know he is also filmed for many projects over the years i know that he contributed quite a lot to the be unique videos and alongside sean and colin kelso he was responsible for the truth series they only produced two videos but both videos were absolutely brilliant the second one in particular it was just like an all-star cast of all your favorite skaters and austin had a section in it that held its own since then he's been kind of quiet on that front he has always been skating but just not been producing sections as much i think he had his create original section that he played the drums to and then he's just kind of like featured and stuff here and there over the years but recently we've been fortunate enough to get new footage of him thanks to jp from butter tv and um, austin had a heap of footage in hawaii alongside billy o'neill franco camayo and all those guys over there and he recently had a new section out by butter tv called by the slice if you haven't seen that it is so good and i would argue probably one of austin's best sections to date i've been wanting to do this with him for about i'm gonna say like the better part of a year I've been asking him to come on, maybe just under a year, but he wanted to wait till this section was done. Now that it is, we'll finally get an excuse to talk, so I am very grateful. Before all that, though, I just want to thank all the Patreon supporters for, yeah, just contributing to this channel, helping me make more content. I just broke a light the other day, so I've managed to use the Patreon money to get a new one. Hopefully this one lasts more than three months and I don't smash it against a wall like the last one. Um, if you'd like to contribute to the Patreon, you can do so for as little as £3. Now that I've got that painful like spiel out of the way, just stole Billy's word there. Um, yeah, cue the music. Right. Okay. Oh my god. Zoom's such a bitch, huh? Is is that why you gravitated away from it? Is that I'm using the Oh uh, yeah, definitely. I'm using definitely. the rudimental uh podcast software. Is um do you am I the volume good or or what? Yeah, yeah. So just, sounds good. Okay, cool. Making am I getting sure the personal cool. experience now? Where are you? I've not 
I think this might be one of the few rooms <laughs> of your house that I've not seen. Through. No, this is it. This is the room. Really? Okay. You usually okay. just, I guess maybe because on the podcast, it's like this framed, you know, so you don't see, but this is the same room that we shot all the podcasts in when we do it in person too, which people see it on like the video, which I don't understand their perspective, but then they come here and like, this is the room and it's like tiny. It's like, I don't know, 10 feet by 10 feet is super small. Okay. Right. So the table must be like, would have been in front of you then? It would be like right here. And then the TV is up against the wall here, usually like that. So that we have like a foldable table, like a collapsible one. It's in the closet now. But yeah, so like the TV would be here. Okay. And the table is right here. And like, this is Billy. <laughs> that way. <laughs> so given how like the room looks quite narrow, how the hell are you it's tiny four, four people around that table? And how do you still manage to get your little like trophy cabinet in the background? Making sure you still <laughs> got your, your bubble head and your pro wheel. Don't, don't, all, that's all right think here. We don't too. notice you're always showing off. That's all right wheels. here. That's all right here. Oh, I got rid of the wheels. I got rid of the wheels a while ago. They kept falling over. But um, yeah, no, this place is, this room is super tiny. Like I said, when people show up, they, they're like, okay, so where does it happen? We're like right here. They're like that makes no sense because it's so small, but it just fits literally if the cameras are pretty much up against the wall when we shoot it. So you can't like, you have to like duck around everything. It's super, this is New York. It's like super small. Like you live you know. in, you live in Staten Island. I thought that was cheaper. It is, but it's still small space. I don't know. I don't have any big rooms necessarily. My living room is pretty nice, but I can't do it in my living room. It's just like too much going on. And it's too far from like the Wi-Fi and stuff. So right. we do it here, but we make work with what we got. So when you did the Erod episode and Ryan Manny was passed out on the sofa, where was the sofa? Uh, it's in the living room. I don't know. Maybe. No, I don't think it was on the sofa. We have, um, see the computer chair I'm in now. We don't use this on the show. So I put it in the hallway. So right whoever is here with the guests usually unless they're like sleeping in the living room whatever they're just like watching from beyond the door it's like the door is open and they're just watching through the door but yeah i remember that he was sleeping um in this chair just like right on the other side of the door so you, you could see him but you can't see much else besides that okay okay right Fair i didn't enough. realize i was giving much of a behind the scenes to how <laughs> we do jump street I think, yeah, it definitely gives the perspective of being a much bigger room the way, but then, you know, you can do like, you do photography. So, you know, if you like shove a wide angle lens, lens on the, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. We have like the middle camera is pretty much a 16 to 35 full zoom out, you know? So that's like as wide as we could get. Right. I can't even yeah. take pictures of it really. Cause it doesn't show it justice. Cause it's not wide enough to actually show the whole room in one shot, yeah. you know, because yeah. like, we're at 16 millimeters right now. This is as wide as we could get, but. That's it's like it. Those, uh, it's like those property photos when you look at like I don't know flats or houses to buy. Yeah, yeah. And you're like wow, everything looks huge, and then you get there and you're like, you motherfuckers! Like <laughs> photographers know what they're doing. <laughs> That's how they sell. Um. So the last time we met, the first and only time we met, you cool guyed me and broke my heart. <laughs> what? Do, do you remember this? Uh, yeah, I think I know. You went to clash. <laughs> yeah. And I saw you yeah. the stairs. I was like, "Hey, Austin, it's David McNamara," and you're like, "Oh yeah, hey, cool." And just wait, wait. like carried on. It was, it was on the stairs before. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. I don't. I don't fucking. Which went to class? There's so I much think shit going on. With Mike. Yeah, you were with Mike, and like Mike, <laughs> Mike recognized me, and you didn't. You were just like, "Yeah, cool, whatever." And I was like, "I've, I've interviewed this guy like 20 years ago." I was like, I've been in touch with him fairly regularly, and then you so saw I'm, me. I didn't even know that. And happened. you were like, "Hey, David," and I was like, "Oh, we're talking to me now. All right, cool. Right, that's what's happening." <laughs> See, I didn't remember that happening at all. My bad about that. I still don't remember doing that. You know, it's Winter Clash. There's a million people there, but still, uh, still I, I, I'm sorry about that. I remember it was like me, you, Chaz, and someone else. It was before or in between one of the panels. And you said something 
uh, like this guy still doesn't even know who I am. And I was like, what? And as soon as you open your mouth, for some reason, I guess just being with Chaz, like the Scotland like connection made like all figured out in my head. And I was like, oh shit, you're Dave. And at that point though, you weren't like, your face wasn't everywhere. Like you didn't have the podcast. So I didn't know what you looked like, you know, like I didn't know what you looked like. So my bad, but there's a reason for that. (laughs) At least your face isn't plastered next to every article you've ever done or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you away with that. You know? Yeah. That was, that, that's, that's my uh, excuse right there. That was the first time you upset me. The second time was when, <laughs> was when, was when I realized that you couldn't tie your own shoelaces and you tried to pass it off as a lifestyle hack. I'm, I'm still not, I'm still not over that. So I think that the most useless part of a skate and my biggest pet peeve on almost all skates are the laces. You know, I, I stopped tying shoes when I was like 15. <laughs> I, I've never like, not that I never tie anything, but like if I get a pair of shoes, like I'll tie it once when it's brand new and that's it. And I leave it. And a lot of my shoes, they're not even tied. They're just like laces wrapped around. Like that's just been like my mantra forever. I, I, I still do the bunny ears. I will give you that. I don't know the loop, swoop and pull. I haven't perfected it yet, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll admit that. <laughs> do you like wearing your skates loose then? Because how can no, you like, no way, but that, that, you can't it's all have buckle. your skate. You can't have your. But that's what I mean. You can't have like. See, with used to ride them skates. See, when you mm-hmm. pull the laces on them skates, you feel that plastic wrap around your foot. Well, the difference is them skates don't have a forty-five. So the skates that I've been riding now, I've been riding the Aeon eighties, the blank skates, the FR skates, and they all have forty-five. So with that forty-five, you don't need the laces because it does that for you. It holds your right. foot down. So that's I have not done the nine oh nines with uh elastic laces yet so okay i don't have a, i don't have a proper review of that one but that yeah, makes sense i guess that, from your side that's, that's got to be the marketing idea then so it's like use 45 degree straps if you don't know how to tie your shoelaces exactly but yeah. I, I remember even like the the arlo or not the arlo ones but yeah the arlo ones the velcro valo skates back in the day had the three velcro straps it looked a little crazy but i love the feeling of that like the, the quick just three straps and that's it I mean, of course I love you that. did. You're lazy. Like, <laughs> Yo, I want to put my skates on and just go. I don't get why like people just sit there for 20 minutes putting their skates on. I don't, I don't need to do that. I want to put my skates on and go. I want to take my skates off and get the hell out of there, you know? Yeah. Uh, love That's Valo. just me, though. Love Arlo, <laughs> but those, those skates were upsetting to look at. Um, actually, all, all the Valo Velcro ones were upsetting. They just looked like see if you saw a guy in the street with like velcro trainers you'd be like dude come yeah on, wait, wait. i i completely get that i completely understand that there's got to be a way like it kind of runs you like bowling shoes or like orthopedic shoes a little bit yeah but there's got to be a way to make that look good from like a styling or fashion standpoint of some sort i don't know how maybe velcro isn't the answer maybe there's another way to, to go about it i don't know but there's got to be a way to make that look good because laces suck <laughs> that has got to be something like given all the the products that brain dead come out with they have got to have came out with a bow and shoe at one point or must have one in her like these they might tap into all that niche stuff so yeah yeah they could be that's that's something you can pitch next time you're in santa Ana. be like guys huh. guys we ever laces what, what, we what are those we? we gotta wait for the the back to the future shoes to to come out for a skates now because i know they yeah. released the nike ones where they auto lace on their own yeah. if we get a pair of skates like that i'll buy them i still don't think i've seen those in real life no me neither they're super rare right okay i don't know how many they made i don't know i don't know anything about those sneakers but i, I from what i remember they were super rare right fair enough um so 
now that we've got that out of the way and, you know, the heart breaks over, uh, congratulations on the new section. There was a while I didn't think you were going to ever film a new one. In fact, I remember specifically trying to pay you to film one roundabout <laughs> when Wheelseat started. I remember contacting you and you hadn't you hadn't been filming for a year, a couple of years. Like you've been. Might have been. Well, the last thing you'd had was the Create Original section, the, the drum. Yeah, it's been one. a while. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, like I'll give you some money, like just do like a short, a short street part. And you were like, I don't have anyone to film. Yeah. I mean, there was multiple problems with that in general for the reason why I haven't really put out edits in a long time. One of them, yeah, it's like, even though I've known JP forever, like he's a busy guy, he has shit going on. But to like consistently have somebody to meet with and skate with all the time, it's yeah. like it's a lot, you know. Everyone's an adult. We have our own separate lives. Schedules don't necessarily line up, which is part of the reason why this video took so long in the first place. But yeah, that's like a huge part of it. I was tired for years and years of just like handing cameras off to because I always had the camera, you know. So I handing cameras off to whoever I'm skating with. It doesn't matter who it was. They film something. It's like not the best, and I have to do it like two, three, four, five times sometimes. And I'm worn out. Yeah. I'm like, I can't do this trick over and over again for a mediocre looking clip. So and just yeah, start hating I, your friends because you're like, I landed, yeah. <laughs> I landed this 30 minutes ago and you fucked me. So yeah. Now I'm put that is that relationship with the filmer when when they let you down. And then if you start getting hurt and you're like, mm -hmm. well, exactly. I, I wasn't hurt when I landed it. Exactly. Now like, bets are falling off. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a filmer myself, I would feel bad if I like missed the clip because that's happened before, you know, like you accidentally forget to press record or something like that. But if you miss the clip and then they do it again, then they got hurt the second time because you fucked up the clip. Like, yep. I would feel like shit if that happened. So, yeah, that's part of it. A lot of like the truth days and stuff like that were me missing out on session because I'm filming other people or just hey, having to do tricks multiple times or have it filmed really bad and I couldn't use the clip, whatever, you know, it just wasn't filmed that good, you know? Um, yeah, that, that's definitely a huge issue with that. Is that, like, was that one of the reasons why you put the camera down or why you, like, stopped taking it out to sessions? Because there was a while where you were just pumping out online sections, like, regular stuff for eulogy and things like that. I'm assuming you're also contributing quite a bit of footage to, like, Be Unique videos and stuff as yeah. well. But then, yeah. then it all just kind of like stopped and you went silent for like a good few years there. That was my downfall, I guess. Right. <laughs> but it didn't, it didn't matter to me because yeah, you're right though. I was, the, I was the guy with the camera, photo and video. I was always there for uh, the guys, you know, me and Franco Camayo, Billy O'Neill, like a bunch of the New York guys, um, the Kelsos and stuff like that. Also, like I was always shooting photos uh, of ourselves and filming for like be unique video of Billy for mind game video, stuff like that in my own projects or online edits at the time. But after the truth too, I was just like, fuck this. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't like skating around in the city with like a big camera bag on with like the DVX or GL, whatever it was. And having like a photo camera body, like my Canon 20 D at the time, plus like all the lenses, a 7,200, like my back was broken from skating around the city. A lot of times we got to skate spots and I didn't even want to skate anymore. I was just so sore from not even doing tricks, just getting to the spot. And it was really frustrating. And I, like, I just missed out on so many sessions because I was so focused as the camera guy, like I'm focused on like, Oh, we have to get that clip. That was sick. You know? And I take the camera out and I sacrifice my time to film everybody else. And that happened for years and just after the truth too i was like all right this project's done 
I'm not taking my camera out anymore. I don't care. And then I, for years, like didn't take my cameras out at all. I sold my camera, sold the DVX. I still took photos, but just like for my own personal stuff. And then that was it. I just skated for fun. And then I realized how much more I liked skating when I didn't have to be the camera guy. And sure, I missed a lot of footage and a lot of clips during those few years, but I didn't care because to me, I just wanted to skate and have fun again. That's why I started skating in the first place. That's what I wanted to go back to. I didn't want skating to become like a job or something like that. You know, I just wanted to have fun. And the most fun for me is going to a skate spot, not having to worry about getting a clip, any pressure, nothing like that. I just want to have fun with my friends. And that's what I did for years. And that, yeah, I had no content during those times probably, or very little. And that's when I started like losing my sponsors and stuff, I guess. I don't know. Or just falling off the face of the, the, the map. But yeah, that, that was my main reason for all that. That's what I was going to, so that actually reminded me of something when we did, when we did your BMAG interview and you got the photos, I was like, how the hell has he got these photos? And you told me that you basically like set up the shot, set up the light and everything, did the trick and then like shoved the camera in your friend's hands and was like, right, press it now. That's exactly what I did for so long. I would literally go set up all the lights, probably have somebody stand in and be like, okay, hold the camera right here, take the picture, snap it at this point. But it's the same thing too. It's like with filming, like with a photo, you have to be like right on it. So yeah. if you're not a photographer, your timing isn't right. Sometimes you miss it. And I have to do the trick again, like multiple times. So it's like the same process over and over again. But maybe sometimes I've even put like a, a tripod up and like had the camera on a tripod legit. So the compositioning was like perfect. I didn't have to crop or nothing like that. Uh, yeah, it was the same process though, photo and video doing the same thing. Because even that, like, like I'm the filmer of our group. And it's incredibly mm. frustrating when you're like, right, I'll try someone's like, do you want to get something? But you know that you're not just thinking about the rail or the ledge anymore. You're suddenly like side glance and make, you're like, why is he not moving already? Like, why is he <laughs> so far away? Like, or you see them like not doing what you think they should be doing. And you're like, like, like fucking concentrate. <laughs> it's like a same, same situation. If like you're skating up to the trick and you notice in the corner of your eye, like they're not ready yet. Yeah. And you're trying to focus like, I don't get it. Did he press record? Did he not press record? Is that where they're going to film it from? Like, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on a second. Yeah. And like, it messes you up the whole time. That's exactly how it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's no longer just battling the trick. You're suddenly, there's a whole like other psychological element to it. Cause you're like, is this person going to screw me over? And yeah, exactly. Back up these stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's like a scary trick too. You don't want to do a scary trick more than once. Like I'm not exactly. a guy for, I'm not a guy for hammers, but you know, it's something is not true. That's not true. I, I think that's true. But if something is scary to me, I don't want to do it more than once. But luckily, like throughout the years, Billy got a little better. Billy O'Neill got better with the camera. I, I was able to like trust him for most of my filming. And then I know I started skating with the Kelsos more. And even though they're not from the same city as me, Philly's like an hour and a half away or so, but we would skate together a lot during those times. So I was taking advantage of every moment I had with them to like make sure that I was going to have something filmed properly or correctly. And yeah, uh, that was what like I relied on for a lot of the time when so when you like basically said i'm not doing that like did that have any kickback for your friends because obviously you said it yourself like there were other skaters that then relied on you to get footage for them like when mm -hmm. they were local like billy like i'm assuming his main game stuff is be unique stuff like you helped out a yeah. lot of that. or like you've said franco camayo as well and there's obviously other great skaters in the area where they like whoa wait a minute like you're not gonna you're not gonna help out anymore like was was I there any I didn't even think about that, honestly, but 
it around that time because the truth was like 2009 so probably like 2009 2010 probably is when i stopped filming but around that time also like a lot of people moved away i think that was probably around the time billy moved to california right or wherever else he lives and you know franco also was you know moving around so uh, I think it was just part of it. It was just like, just at that point, just me and like my friends who weren't uh, taking skating as seriously, weren't filming, didn't need clips or edits to promote whatever they were working on. So I think it just coincidentally worked the same way that everybody kind of dispersed and did their own thing, which is part of the reason why we like never did like a true three or something like that. Cause people started moving, like Mike moved away, Billy moved away, Franco moved away, Chesh kind of stopped skating, John Bellino moved away. So it, that, I mean, that all kind of happened at the same time. So I guess it, it all just played into each other. Right. Um, and so I always kind of thought that you just made the conscious decision to like quit your sponsors, just being like, I don't have time to kind of focus on this. I, I just thought you decided I'm going the career route because obviously your photography started taking off not long after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you said like it was the other way around. They were like, oh, you're not making content anymore. Well, we can't justify I mean- sending you stuff. <laughs> I, I don't like know if that actually happened. It's just coincidence that that was like around the time when I started like not, uh, I started like lose. I don't know about losing connection, but just like, yeah, like other people started coming in, I guess, to these companies, and and I was just like kind of back foot. And again, at that point, I didn't really care too much because, like I said, I just wanted to skate and have fun again. I didn't like, um, I didn't like even like going to contests and like, yeah, like say like john from valo or isaac from eulogy would like fly me to like bitter cold or winter clash or whatever it is and then i would be like i feel like i'm obligated to compete in the contest which i don't like to do either and even like when all that stuff stopped and i was going to these events and not having to worry about competing and like doing well or performing whatever it is it like changed the whole experience of me going to these events in the first place it made them all way more fun i didn't have to stress or worry about anything i didn't like that about being a sponsor skater either you know having to live up to something which i'm horrible at contests so i'm glad i didn't have to worry about that anyway you've got that one viral contest clip though the is, what? It, the five, is it the 540 alley porn star uh and uh, is it the be unique contest or whatever it is i'm sure it's oh, the, the, the disaster box the yeah. launch box is that what oh that my trick god was? the 540 alley soul 540 yeah, alley soul that's it i'm yeah. surprised you know you, you can remember that <laughs> I, i'm i'm like a weird <laughs> crappy encyclopedia for blading but uh, yeah yeah I remember, I remember that what like that might have been that might have been one of the few contests i did well in that was like a uh i believe that was the the got that snow contest at the beauty skate park it was during the winter time so it was like got that snow and like you know i don't have to recite what the innuendo means but yeah that was a uh, that that skate park for anybody who remembers it was the slipperiest skate it was like an ice skating rink that skate park you know it was a uh, horrible to skate in so the fact that I think I did a disaster, let alone 540 disaster on that box. Like everyone was like super shocked and surprised about that. Yeah. John John won that the contest actually. Right. When he was like 13 or whatever. Like super I mean, young. That, that doesn't surprise me. He was disgustingly good from a very yeah. young age. From um, the beginning. Him and Sizemore were just like tiny little robots. Yeah. Um be unique, right? So I, I was always confused. I always just thought that was like the nickname for the park. I didn't realize they, they actually owned a skate yeah. park where where the hell did they get the money for that so that was a skate park already called x ramps that was an already established skate park and they were closing and then right. the buny guys took the opportunity they snuck in they're like all right if you're gonna close we'll buy it off you i don't remember how the dealer transaction went down if they were looking for someone to buy it or whatever but that's what happened so everything was pretty much there already 
they just bought it. They bought the business. They rebranded it, and they probably added a, like one or two things. The down rail was definitely new. That little low down rail, and maybe like the bowl corner in the back was different. But other than that, it was a different park called X Ramps, and it was actually in the USD Tour video. They came the the crazy USD Tour video. Yeah. Uh, DL, it's like, it's like a big quarter pipe. DL does like some weird backslide, four fifty set slide shuffle on it, I'm and like Walt it. Walt skates it, I think. And um, yeah, so that if anybody was going to see that park before it was the BUNI park. I think that might've been the only video that it was in before that. Cause I always feel like, I always feel like BUNIQUE gave off the impression of being much bigger or much more successful than <laughs> it actually was. But then when you hear stuff about them, like, yeah, like buying skate, cause obviously they did like the Jew tour thing that, yeah. that just seems like really good. Like, marketing on their part or like they were just really good at like building relationships because they obviously yeah. became friends with like the dipset guys and did the dipskate thing but i just always thought they gave off them they 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 were very good at making it all look a lot bigger more successful and more lucrative than it actually was because when i spoke to distributors in the uk they didn't pay their bills <laughs> oh really they were like yeah like we like because uh I knew the guy that was running um, Empire UK and he was like, yeah, we, oh, yeah. we bought a whole lot of Be Unique stuff. Uh, well, they like sent us it to distribute it. We sold all the stuff and then they never paid us like the cut that they were. And I was like, oh, okay. And that- I don't know any, I don't know any of that stuff. Yeah, but it was, I don't know what the perspective is outside. I mean, I, I guess I kind of get the idea, whatever, but I know them from just being like the homies in New York, like, for 90% of the be unique, the whole be unique, like existence, it was Chris and Courtney Brown running it out of their parents' apartment in Manhattan. Yeah. There was no warehouse, no office studio, nothing like that. So if anyone did think it was this big whole massive thing, it was legit like them sleeping at their parents' apartment in the yep. city, you know, and I think looking that, back on it, they were pretty that, young too. So that gave off whenever you see them in the videos as well, it gives off the impression that it's their apartment and that they're like balling oh, out. And you're like, well, that's not, that's not, not really the case, is it? Yeah. So now that we're, we're lucky enough that their parents were awesome. I don't remember the names, but yeah, their parents were awesome. They would always let us crash there. We would have like, you know, typical skater house. Like there's a million people sleeping on the floor when people were in town or whatever, but it wasn't a house. It was just like a, maybe two bedroom apartment or something like that. I don't know. It was tiny, tiny little apartment. It's an old, it's, yeah, it's in all their videos, you know, like the, the bonus to like freestyle rolling and stuff like that. And yeah. the intro to like, yeah, intro to freestyle rolling is sitting in front of the little iMac talking before a freestyle rolling starts. So yeah, like that's what it was. And they did a lot with the little that they have. That was, they were hustlers. Like Courtney would legit, we would all be hanging out at the house. Like Chris would be editing, doing whatever. We're all just bullshitting. And Chris is there like with like a business a book of some sort, like how to like business 101 or whatever, always just reading something, figuring it out. And he was the one making all the connections, like getting, making the do tour happen, um, getting the whole dips, dips skate uh, connect and going. They had like a big, they had like a, almost like a storefront kind of in, in Times Square. Like that was the last hurrah for Be Unique. I never been there. It was like an office. It was an office in Times Square. They shared it with somebody else. I don't remember who or how they got the connect, but it was like the last few months of Be Unique they had like an legit like studio or office or something like that in Times Square. So it was getting to like a big point. Then yeah, they just dropped off. Did, did anyone ever get an explanation? Cause I've asked Billy about this and he was like, I have no idea. Like, but you, 
you guys were obviously friends. So what, they just started ghosting everyone. Like you just never pretty heard. Pretty much. Them. Yeah, pretty much. Like, like Courtney, from what I, I could remember this wrong. Cause it was so long ago. Like Chris wasn't the guy you really get in touch with. It was Courtney. Like maybe he had the cell phone at the time. Chris might even not have had a cell phone, but it was like Courtney just, he was kind of a hard guy to get in touch with in general. He was just one of those people, but did, there was a time or a few months where I just out of nowhere, everyone's just like, what happened? Like, have you talked to Courtney or Chris lately? I haven't seen them. And like, nah, no, nah, no one, no one heard from them. And then it just like fell off. And then, yeah, no one ever really got an explanation, at least as far as I know, I'm sure other people that might've been closer to them got an explanation, but like, I don't really haven't really spoken to them much. I saw them at Alex Nunes's funeral, which was, I don't remember like 2015 ish, something like that. So it was still a while ago, but that was the first time I saw them in a long time. And I wasn't going to like bombard them with like, yo, oh, what yeah, the hell no. happened or whatever. But it was like, like when I saw them, I expect like people completely different, but they were the same exact people that I remembered skating around the city with like baggy, dirty sweatpants on and everything. Like they, we picked up right where we left off. It was such like a natural vibe with those guys. And they still like had love for skating. They were like curious about what was going on and, and skating and how we were all doing and, and whatever, but they just do their own thing now. And I haven't really had time to talk with them much, you know, after that or anything. So yeah, I never really asked them about it or anything like that. Yeah. It just, it just always seems so well. It seemed like something like there must've been an event or something that happened that would have caused that because it, it seems such a strange thing to just cut off because it's not just like, I don't know, a brand like you're working on. Like one of them was a, like, I've seen clips of one of them skating. Was it Chris? Courtney, Courtney the was the one who was like a beast. Like he could have easily yeah. been like, there's one that was like at that time, switch ups on like handicap reels and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, so you're not just giving up the company. You're obviously giving up skating as well. And you've got a friendship group that's associated with it that you're just totally isolating yourself from. Yeah. That kind of thing normally doesn't happen unless there's like, you know, like something to call it. It's not like someone just wakes up one day and goes, Nope, all that's done. Yeah. It was, it was just as weird for us when it happened too. Like we were all just taken away by it and it just happened out of nowhere. And it wasn't even like an announcement, like, Hey, we're done. We're moving on. I don't even remember honestly hearing that they were like officially done. I just remember being like, I guess Bunique's not around anymore. Like yeah, we don't know. Like, they we just launched a line. I remember like the, I remember the line vividly. It was like, it, it had like the be unique and like multicolors yeah like some really i had that weird sheep thing about yeah, sheep yeah. getting shot or something i was like yeah oh, yeah don't know about that logo the rest <laughs> the rest is good um and then it just stopped yeah that, that's pretty much how it was i'm pretty sure i never even got like the clothes from the last line or anything like i wasn't even talking to them at that point uh but yeah it just happened out of nowhere unfortunately that's what happened they were so dedicated and killing it with everything they did at the time and they did a lot for skating and that was yeah to me that was to me one of like my favorite times my favorite moment in skating like ever i guess if you want to call it was that little be unique stint of however many three four five years it was that was like a really really good time really strong scene for the a really strong time for the new york scene too so and we were still kids then it was like i was 17 or something like that at the time so like i didn't yeah. give a fuck about anything i was just a kid i wasn't worried about work or stress of life or anything like that so it was a mix of all those things uh that made that time like really stand out for me I was looking back on that. So it's quite fun. I, I, I can't remember what magazine it was. There's no magazine that's got a B and E cadver on it. And it's like you and like tiny little Austin 
really small head, but your eyebrows are the exact same size, and it makes <laughs> it look like you've got a monobrow. But you <laughs> look at it, you're like, he doesn't. But it's just, you finally grown into those those eyebrows, Austin. Oh, I, I I did not grow into them yet, still. But and they're all as I get older, they're only going to get bushier and bigger. But yeah, um, so <laughs> I was like, God, like yeah, because in some of them you are like yeah, proper baby faced. So yeah, I was probably during like the the height of being I was probably like 15 years old. You know, that was like yeah, you're 15 years old. It's a kid. You're fucking tiny especially we're all adults now looking back on like a 15 year old like you're a fucking baby yeah, yeah <laughs> you know definitely like oh yeah god even in your late teens you think you're like yeah. you're like oh, I'm a man now I'm a man yeah and then, then you get to <laughs> no like your way. 30s and you're like I was an idiot like I didn't know <laughs> yeah. anything yeah um so totally got completely off track there the new project with JP um I love how you're like oh yeah it took a year to get it right get it right you were thrown away very good clips left right and center the 360 top sold down dallas kink you're like meh meh whatever it's just a free top sold i've never that, that was for shits I, I see to me like even, even even though in the new edit the butter tv edit i have like a like a few like big kink rails or whatever like soul grinds in it like that stuff personally doesn't like it's fun to do but i don't think it's like impressive necessarily I love just cruising like a big rail or something like that. It's just like a fun feeling, you know, it's like a surfing kind of feeling, but like, yeah, Dallas King is just like, it's another kink rail. And as I wasn't with JP at the time anyway, so I wouldn't be able to get like a proper clip of that, but we just went there after blading cup. Like my friend was like, I always wanted to hit this rail. We went there as my first time there. And then I don't know, it just get carried away sometimes, I guess, but yeah. It's one of those spots that looks really good in video, but then when you see like, because Jan Welch puts up obviously his like vault things yeah. where it shows you people doing attempts and you're like, oh, that landing looks quite zippy. Like, it looks Have you been there or no? I've never been. I've never been to California. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> that, that rail is nothing like it looks in the videos. Not at all. When I got there, I was like, I can't believe this is the same spot. It looks completely different. It's, it's to me anyway, from my perspective, what I got out of the videos in person, it's way more mellow it turns way more than it looks in the videos and it's like kind of a welcoming rail it's it's very because because it's so mellow it just looks okay. so much steeper and, and like it turns more in videos i guess because the way it's filmed but in person it's way more welcoming than than it seems all right i got the impression that right okay so because when i saw the Jan welch footage of like chris haffey trying it i was like kind of looks a little bit higher than it does in most other footage and i was like oh so that landing looks like if you're off balance you're just gonna eat shit straight into the concrete ah, the landing's whatever if, if you see any footage of it filmed from the top you'll see a complete difference in what the perspective is from the bottom it's from the top it's like so unintimidating right okay that that was the like when you see people like shima and stuff doing was it ali topsoli that then or something yeah i was like, I was like they that, still real, done. That, that real can't be anything if he's ali topsoli in it because like that is that's a weird trick to do down a long yeah. kink I mean, I'm not discrediting anybody for whatever they've done in that rail. Alley Towson yeah. on that rail is insane. Any alley trick on that rail is insane. Almost any, I would say any groove trick on that rail is insane too. And people have done like 450 Royales and stuff like that on that rail. I can't imagine doing a groove trick on that rail. I would picture just like flying off and, and being out. But, and there's big like gaps in the rail. Yeah, what's your dog doing over there? And <laughs> can you, did you just hear him or could you see him? Both. I saw the paw a couple of times pop up. <laughs> just like the one paw like that. He always sleeps with like all his legs in the air and like <laughs> just drags them over perfectly clean walls that are now just covered in dog marks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was wondering that. Yeah. He is. Like nah, I saw that a couple of times. 
Um, but yeah, that 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 rail this is still a big rail regardless. It's just not as intimidating when you see it in person, at least okay. in my opinion. See, that's that's the hope that all us like European or British skaters hold when we ever look at California spots. Like um God, there's the one that there's the one that Billy does in mind game. I think he does Alec Fishbane or something, doesn't it? The really long, mellow one in California that's got the big open landing. And all yeah, of us, yeah. Like, I don't know what that spot's called, like, but yeah, I know what you're talking like about. Like the one that Carlos disasters, or like yeah. I, I think it's in the intro to the Jump Street podcast, isn't it? Uh Carlos? I don't think there's is a Carlos. Carlos is, is someone someone disasters it. It's that right anyway. Yeah. Um and so we're all like, ah, oh, yeah, but it's fine. It's because it's California. All the all, all the rails are like knee high. Like, th- these guys aren't even these guys aren't even <laughs> that good. Like, <laughs> like if, if they had British rails, our, our rails are like six feet high with no run up and like terrible gravel land. And like if they had yeah. that, they wouldn't be able to do that stuff. And then you go there and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's not as that's not as unintimidating as I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I would say most California spots are as perfect as they look one way or another. Cause like you said, it's same thing with maybe like Glasgow spots or whatever, same thing with New York spots, they're rugged, they're rough. There's always like a crack in front of something that you don't notice or a gap to it or, or something just off or weird about a spot. I feel like almost every spot I go to in California, it's like, Oh, there it is. It's perfect. Do whatever you want with it. Yep. And then they have the cheek to like bondo the the tiniest yeah. little indiscretion. You're like, you're like, we wouldn't so even spoiled. Have, we wouldn't even have noticed that, and you're fixing it. Okay, cool, right? So spoiled. Yeah, yeah. I always find that really amusing. They're like, here's how you fix a skate spot. And I'm like, that skate spot does not need fixed. Like that is not that is not an issue. Perfect. They're all perfect. Yeah. I'm like missing slabs at the top of a rail. That's that's an issue. But yeah. Um. So, yeah, like that section was. First off, I think it might be one of the best sections you've had, and you've had a stack. Like I would Thank say, you. it's definitely up there with like your Truth Two section, the Fakey Four Fifty uh, topsole, Fakey Five Forty topsole, caught me completely unaware because the first mm-hmm. time I watched it, I didn't even realize that's what you did. Like I, think I feel, I'm, I feel like I got that vibe from people watching it, which is kind of what I liked about it too. It happened so quickly. Yeah, like it was only the second time I was I was like, oh, I thought he just three top sold that. And then I was like, wait a minute. And then I started trying to like process it. And I was like, I don't <laughs> I don't remember ever seeing anyone do that that way down a stair rail. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was seeing Aragon do the fakey 540 hurricane. Yeah, hurricane. But I feel like that's <laughs> I feel like it's safer. It's not safer, but like you can actually like spot the rail sooner, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, it, I would 100% agree with you. It's definitely, in my opinion, way safer than doing the hurricane way. I would never do it the hurricane way, uh, 540 on anything, let alone a down rail. So arrogant and nutcase for doing that. But I, I feel like the way you do it, like you're doing it, it's, it feels like it's more blind. I feel like I feel like you're just feeling your way around rather than actually being able to see where, like spot where you're going to slam your topside foot in. I mean, they're both, I think they're both pretty blind. The way I do it, I just spin like a motherfucker on that shit. <laughs> i spin like a motherfucker and just like that's what i had to do literally when it, the first like one or two jumps i did i'm like okay i really have to spin like i underestimated how much like i needed to spin to actually get that but right. i was just whipping it as much as i could and you know hopefully you just land the right way i guess you know had you ever done it in like like a skate park or anything before that or, or was that just the spot that you're like no this is this is gonna be it no i did it once from that i remember at uh 
the skate park Faber, which is in Staten Island by me. I, I definitely post clips and on Instagram all the time from there, but there's like a little down ledge, like knee height. I did it there when I had, um, when the nine Oh eight, I guess at the time first came in the extra small, right. uh, I bought it extra small cause I wanted the smallest skate. And, uh, it was just so small, light and nimble. I was able to like jump higher and just spin more. And I'm like, let me see if I could do a 540 Royale on this. And I did it really easily with those skates on. And then I stubbed my toe also, and it was bleeding because they were too small. <laughs> and that was the last time I rode them. But yeah, I haven't done anything since then. I've tried them back in the day. I remember being at a contest, like uh, some New York contest during the Be Unique days and trying to do that on a down rail. And I couldn't even come close to it, but it was something I always wanted to do. And I had a rail that I wanted to do it on in New York, but it was like wintertime in New York during that point. And then we were in Puerto Rico. It was like January or February or something like that. And, um, it was right after I did the, that little narrow ledge roll to front side to 540 off. Yeah. It's also in there. So I did that and that was in Puerto Rico. And literally right after that, I was just like hyped, I guess. And we saw that other rail, perfect rails like around the corner. So I was like, I'll just do it on this. Cause who knows I could talk for the rest of the year and not go to that rail in New York that I want on 540 Royale, you know, we're here now. I'll just do it at this spot. And, and that's why I did it. So I thought you broke your ribs really early into the Puerto Rico trip. No, that was Hawaii. Hawaii, that was right. Yeah, and then JP made a separate video on that. But that was actually the last day of the Hawaii trip. I broke my ribs, luckily. Okay, that makes more sense. Not Puerto Rico, Hawaii. Yeah. Because I was like, if you're doing fakey 540 tops with broken ribs, that's... No way. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, breaking your ribs sucks. I can't imagine doing any... It took me so long to get back to properly skating after that. But luckily, that was the last of the trips that we did that winter. So I was just got back into work as soon as I got home and barely even skated last summer because I was so busy with work. But that was another reason also why it took forever to finish this part because we, me and JP were both just so busy with work last year. Our schedule has never lined up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so I can't believe you, you broke your, didn't you break your ribs doing a, just a sole on a kink rail? That's like your, <laughs> that's like your thing. I know. That's what we're talking about. The, the soles and the kink rails and shit too. It was literally the first trick of the day, first jump of the day. Like we, we were trying to get, um, JP was trying to get clips of Franco cause he had to work that day. It was like his lunch break or something. So we went to some spot. I saw that little tiny kink rail too. Like, what was it like four flat, four flat, four, something really small. And it just looked like such a welcoming rail. The kinks were like mellow. They waved, they didn't like, they weren't sharp. And, uh, we went to that spot and I'm like, let me just, I don't know what I'm going to do, but let me just warm up with the soul grind. And I guess I took it too easy and I just, you know, missed it. I, I definitely um, had a really worn in soul plates at that time. So I think uh, it's happened to other rails also that soul grind on um, the act, the ender ender in the last section I did. It was like a, another soul on a, a drop kink rail, like a multi drop kink rail. But that oh, one too, I kept we're, falling. We're off. coming to that because I've, I've got. Okay. Well, that one I kept uh, falling off also because my soul plates really went down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. so similar to that, like those are the only two times I just fell off a kink rail on a soul grind. And I wasn't expecting it at all. I just broke my rib right there. Two ribs. Right. Wow. Okay. Right. Well, actually, we'll get to that. We'll get to the ender. What's the what's what's the New York rule on using your shin to correct your balance on kink reels? <laughs> so that's what we're getting at. <laughs> that's what we're getting at. There was no marks on my leg. So even though it probably like touched like once or twice, something like that, there was okay. no no marks or anything like that. But yeah, that rail uh it, it had like maybe like six inches or so above it. So like mm-hmm. the side of my skate, like was 
able to lean on it if I was falling over. So that's what made it like it kind of safe that rail. But it still, I think it looked cool anyway. And it was, it was just, it was more of like a that's a rail in New York that like a lot of people would see and go to and never expect anybody to do anything on. It's at the World Trade Center, which is like a highly, uh, you know, uh, there's cops everywhere. Yeah. So uh, we got lucky because I got kicked out by security and I just said fuck him and I just jumped over him to the rail one time and then um he eventually left and then there was a bunch of cops watching me while I did that on the street and I'm like I literally have one or two more tries for these cops say something to me and that was the one that I finally did so that's like not a spot that you can normally skate anyway it's it's super rare that people could skate that so it was more just like leave like my mark on that like little area oh, yeah, or, you know just like yeah. just like that someone's done that you know it's pretty cool because I don't think anybody would do anything like that in any other sport yeah totally um i was just i was i was just wondering how much uh how much foul play was taking place with the balance on it but i'll get i'll give you the benefit of the doubt if you say if you say the shins were clean i'll if you bring me to an that identical rail without that other top part on it i'll do that shit within <laughs> two tries you're like i'm not having this right so so call me out all you want find me the same exact rail i'll do that um, I also love the fact that you've reintroduced the A wall, although it's mm. it's actually like triggered me in other ways because as much Why? as I love, well, oh no, I loved seeing you execute it. You did one before. Was that Hawaii or Puerto Rico? You did one. You did one. In the oh, it was Hawaii. Yeah, it was Hawaii. Yeah, on the little like yeah handicap rail. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, God, that's awesome. But then when you did it in the new one, oh my God. On the like the rollerblading, rollerblading Facebook thing, I just looked on. Someone's put a screenshot of it, and everyone's like, calling it the dumbest fucking name. What? And I was like, I'm gonna lose my mind with these people. What are so, people calling it? Someone's calling it a backslide. Someone's calling it a rough. <laughs> someone's calling it like a rough soyal. Someone's calling it like a. a it's not right. A, what was it? Hard. A hard soyal. <laughs> someone was calling it like, like someone was like that's a wheelbarrow someone was like that's like, oh my god i'm gonna kill every single person every single person in this group that's one of the problems of rollerblading though we don't have our name straight for like many of our, our names straight it's yeah. an a wall if you roll it it's a nine bar it has been since the 90s people just either have short-term memory loss or like, <laughs> didn't skate during that time and just want to like come in renaming shit mm-hmm. the, the person calling it a rough soyal i was ready to burst into tears it was that that, that's not even just like correct in any way because it's not a rough grind at all it's a tough grind and i so i never called it an awol back in the day i remember back like when i started skating in the 90s people did that once in a while and i don't know if it was a new york thing or whatever but i remember calling it a toy al back then i've heard a couple of people calling it that so that's what i still call it now but i've heard awol just as much as toy al and from at least my perspective anyway so those are the two that i would consider acceptable also you know but all those other names that you just mentioned i don't know about any of those (laughs) all suspect i i definitely don't know about them either yeah i'll give you the toy out but yeah whenever i saw them in like daily bread or uh dna or unity magazine it was always yeah they were always caught and that was how anyone in the 90s decided what tricks were called you saw it in a magazine you were like oh well that's yeah that's what the bible calls it so that's that's what i'm going with yeah that's like the full torques and a daily bread because I don't know anybody who's ever called it a full torque. I would always call it a farve. Exactly, me too. Yeah, I don't know anybody who's actually like, yo, that full torque was sick. <laughs> like nobody's. I never heard that ever, and it was always in daily bread that way too. Yeah. So 
I think they just get sick of trying to spell Farvardnagan wrong because <laughs> that was that was unbelievable. Um, the period, but then there was also the period that like Sunny Days changed name as well because it like, used to be porn star, top side porn star, Ali mm. Tor- top side porn star. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh, it's called a Sunny Day now. And we're like, wait, what? <laughs> like we're just, we're just changing trick names. Like, like I don't know where any of that shit came from too. Have you ever called it a Sunny Day? I used to call it a Sunny Day. No. no. <laughs> Like, I used to call it a sunny day. What about what about cloudy night? Alley top porn. Yeah, I would always I would always call it either like an alley top porn or an AOTP. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. When, when people started coming out with that, and now now people just do like a regular porn star and call it a mm-hmm. sunny day, and I'm like, this is just getting upset. And like, I never just... seen that one. That would that would piss me off too. <laughs> just I, the the pedantic nature. Or porn of stars that look like sidewalks. <laughs> and then calling them porn stars. <laughs> that also white, like, see when you see that back foot just sliding about all over the place, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that was a no, it wasn't. That that actually yeah. wasn't anything. That was that yeah, was a mis- <laughs> that was a, a mistrick. You need to go back and try again." Um, well, I, I could tell you're like an older guy as well, and you have like, uh, I feel like for people who have been in the game so long, we are like very true to like what a trick is, how you do the trick. It's only this way. If you do it any other way, it's something else, or it's just wrong. You know. I mean, I don't feel like being a gatekeeper. I think like stuff like, like I'm all for no grabs. No grabs is fine, but you can't not lock on to a trick. Yeah, I agree with that too. Like, just get that, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like most most people know like the like the, the Philly rule, like how how like uh, strict all those guys were, like Frederick Shoot and stuff like that. Like New York was pretty similar with that also. I, I think... Philly might have taken it to another extreme. Like they I weren't think, allowing negative stuff. Said, but that part, I think having a certain like standard being like, well, no, like if you like stumble off the trek or if like yeah. you, you can't hold a roll from it, then, you know, maybe mm. you didn't lace it like you think you did. Yeah. Well, especially at the time when there was set tricks and like that was it, that was all you could do. That's whatever. But now people are taking things to so many different levels. There's like slight room for error, but yeah, for the most part, if you are doing like a topsail, like that should be a topsail. If you are doing a porn star, your feet should be locked a certain way. Otherwise, it's either something else or just nothing at all. Yep. Um, it was quite funny at the at the uh, Brian Aragon night at the movies mm-hmm. when I was talking to him about because obviously we're watching these sections and I was like, so looking back in this years later, are you you going to claim that you know the the curve ledge in Colorado? Yeah. I think he does. He does like front torque down it, or maybe it's in sprint. as as a torque slide variation. But his foot like very clearly like kicks the top of it like halfway along, and I'm like, so are we are we claiming that all these years later? And he's like, well, obviously not. Like we obviously can't take that. And I was like, well, I'm glad that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that even the the robotic prince has got like a flaw in his section where you can go right. Yeah. You- well, it was that his fault, or was that whoever edited the section's fault? true but surely you know he's he's getting approval no you're not you know not, not always i don't think always no i um, like this there's definitely been a lot of videos back in the day where i know the mind game videos they didn't approve them by the writers until the video came out so i don't know if that clip was from a mind game video or not but if it was sure a mind it, game video i think it was an adam johnson one i think it was, okay so i, I, I don't know how aj yeah, i don't know how aj works with that stuff but yeah i mean there's definitely a lot of people who make videos where it they don't show the skater of the section. So like when it, you don't see it until the DVD or the VHS, whatever comes out at that point, it's not the skater's fault. Like, yeah, it's like, yo, yeah. why'd you use that clip me? I didn't do it. <laughs> so either, ah, either then, Brian's trying to own it or he's just playing it off. I don't know. <laughs> you don't, you, if, 
if it didn't count, you would think that would have came to light at the session, maybe, because Brian would have been like, no, I definitely felt my foot touch, or the film were yeah. going, whoa, you're not taking that. Like, That's get true. Back, get back up. That's true. Yeah, I guess it could go either way. And I know AJ's a really strict filmer, too, so I'd be really surprised if AJ let a trick like that slide. Maybe he just didn't have enough footage to fill the fill the slot, and he's like, this is going to have to do. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. Well, You'll get AJ on the show one day and you ask him about that. I will never get AJ on the show because he, he, <laughs> he has never once replied to a single message that I've tried to get him <laughs> on. So that's, that's never going to happen. Okay, so we'll, it'll always be a mystery then. Um, I keep waiting for the Marius Gale announcement as well because Marius has started ghosting me and I'm like, that motherfucker's going oh. on Jump Street. That's what's happening here. No, we didn't, we didn't talk guide. about that as far as I know. So <laughs> Jeff Howard all over again. We, we won't get to <laughs> Jeff Howard Gate. Um, <laughs> love you, Jeff. I'm only messing. Um, so what what was the what would you say there was a lot of like creativity in that part, which I feel like had been like more missing from your other session. Cause before I always thought of you as like the kind of Abdiel Kohlberg type skater, like everything's done really precise, the landings are always really good, like the legs are always really tucked, like everything's done like like you said like old school like as as you know the gatekeepers think it should be done but you i've never really thought you as like the guy that like thinks outside the box and does like weird tricks that no one's expecting in this section mm -hmm. you had quite a lot of that you like it, it feels like you've taken like a lot of outsider influences that you previously wouldn't because the old austin paz was not into that stuff at all <laughs> i am the old austin paz <laughs> like um, I feel I feel like your old self would have went. That's like that's nonsense. I'm, we're not doing <laughs> yeah. that. Of course, but that's just a progression of skating. Yeah. That was like, and, and that was another reason too why I was like, I hit up JP. So we started filming this in 2020, like when the pandemic hit. Like my first clip in that section was from like March 2020, like right as the soon night, as the, the nighttime Times Square one. That, no, before that, the that? Uh, first clip I got in that was um, the line I did. It was like lefty topsole on like a, a shorter out ledge drop it in 360 topsole the, yep. the steep down rail so that was the first clip i got that was like march 2020 um so yeah but it was like by the time 2022 hit i'm like yo jp we gotta like put this shit out and part of the reason was because my skating was already changing so much so quickly that i just wanted to get all that stuff out there because i already looked back we cut so much stuff out because i looked back on it and i'm like oh i wouldn't even like accept that now like i don't even like I've just got so much better at that kind of skating that it wasn't good enough to, to put out anymore. So it just progression changes so fast. And the whole style of skating is so new to me that it's just like starting skating from the, the, the ground up again. It's like when you do your first soul grind and then a year later, after you've done a thousand soul grinds, you look back on that and you're like, oh, that was shit. Yeah. Like I thought that was, I thought I laced it back then, but I didn't really. So that's how I kind of felt with a lot of those tricks. It was like not my style, my quote style, I guess. And it was new to me and I'm um, just experimenting, messing around with different tricks, see what, what sticks, what doesn't. I, I got inspired by a lot of different people over the last year or two. So, um, just trying new ways to skate and especially going to skate spots that you've skated at a million times before and being able to do something different because you skate differently now is it, it makes it all fun again. So there was definitely a lot of that in that section, which is why I'm happy it turned out the way it did. Cause it was a, in my opinion, a good mix of like rails and bigger tricks as well as you know sliding around or doing yep. whatever yeah so definitely. and i would have never had that in any section back in the day so that's like what made me particularly proud about this part
that's what I was going to ask. How do you think it holds up to like your other parts that you've had through the years? Do you think do you think that is your best part that you've made, or do you think there's other parts that I don't know when you were younger or going bigger that you think could hold their own against it? No, it's similar like what what Alex Brasco said at the night at the movies. Also, it's like which section is like your favorite? It's like always the always the last section is always my favorite, and that is definitely true for me. In this one, it's the most diverse. It's the time I spent the longest to film for. We did a lot of traveling for it, so there's like a lot that got involved in it. I do like my. I did make an edit of my own for my 20 years skating, which I like because I like sentimental value. It's on YouTube, yeah. but as far as like the level of skating and generally just how it's all put together, this is definitely my favorite part out of all of them. I would I would agree as well. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, what was the, what was the hardest trick to get? <laughs> uh it's funny because JP was just texting me right before this um, about something else. Maybe I hate to keep talking about these these damn soles on kink rails, but the Stuyvesant rail in New York where I just sold the top sole on it was I worked for that one. It was the one at night at the curved kink rail, the one right. that Farmer 360 sole grinds and underestimated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sold the top sole on that it literally, I think, took me like almost three hours to do. Okay. It was, we went there. That was also during the pandemic 2020. I was like, oh, it'll be perfect because you could, you kind of can't really skate it during the day because there's so much foot traffic there. So you have to be there at night. And we went there. Part of like what made the pandemic easy was being able to drive to the city and parking literally wherever you want. So we would like literally park like right on the corner, skated that. I think we started around like 11 o'clock. And I was like, okay, cool. 11 o'clock, I'll be home by like midnight. You know, I just want to get this trick and, and head out. And I think I was there to like one, or like one thirty, something like that. Um, or maybe we started at 10 o'clock. I don't remember, but it was like a three hour battle with that, with that trick. Does JP not get home to his wife? And she's like, the fuck, <laughs> what, what fucking time do you call this? I don't know how JP does any of the shit that he pulls off, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, but full-time job, wife, family. And then he's like, so I'm dipping out and I'll be back middle of the night. She's like, you're cheating on me, aren't you? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm, film, I'm filming skating. She's like, that's, J that's JP right there. <laughs> that's JP. That's what he does. And even like the, uh, the, the ender, the soul grind that the, sh the shin soul grind, if you want to call it that, uh, I remember in raw footage of that, I say, oh, now JP, he had home Thanksgiving dinner. I think that was like the day before Thanksgiving and he was supposed to have like Thanksgiving dinner. And I was like, let me get this one trick. And he like, I held him back, I think by, by doing that. So sorry about that, JP. <laughs> You can roast. I also saw that he's going to be the next guest on Jump Street. I, yeah. I love talking to JP for he was he was a lot of fun. So I can imagine that's going to be a really good episode. I hope he drinks a little bit before he comes on. <laughs> oh, does he get a little bit loose lipped when he drinks? No, nah, he, he's just like a funny guy just in general. But it's our, our show tomorrow is at noon New York time, so he's hopefully not going to be drunk for that one. Then we got a problem, uh, a more serious problem on our hands. This is true. <laughs> also on a on a Thursday, shouldn't he be at work? I mean, he has like freelance video as far as I know, or like just his own business video stuff. So he doesn't have like a set schedule or anything. It's just whenever he's not on a shoot pretty much. Right. Okay. And um, I want to ask you about Jump Street, but before that, you mentioned earlier, like after you finished The Truth 2, everyone went their separate ways. I know I've, from watching all the episodes of Jump Street, I know so many people have asked about The Truth and why he's never did another one. And like, I get it, but did did you guys kind of all lose contact as well then? Because I feel like when you all went your separate ways, it, the impression I've kind of got from the first couple of years of Jump Street is that, you know, you and the Kelsos maybe didn't keep in contact as much because 
when you did that first episode with them, it, it was kind of like the first like half, I would say it was kind of like awkward. And it was kind of like you guys were like getting to know each other again. You know, you were obviously you met up before the episode and were like chatting and stuff, but it kind of felt like you were, you were feeling each other out for the first part of it. I think the main reason for that was because that was like our first real episode and we had no idea what the hell we were doing. It was like, how do we can, cause we did the first inaugural episode, which was just me and Billy. But I think I'm pretty sure that Kelso's was the first episode that we did with a guest. I think that was our second episode. So it was, we have like had no idea what the hell we were doing, how we were going to do it. We just like yeah. kind of figured it out. So that was probably a big reason why it felt awkward. We definitely never lost contact with each other, but you know, like when we're all, different like we're all like different parts of the country doing our own things you know I, I stayed in new york you know the kelsos are doing their their thing their basement stuff in philly and billy's like doing the shredweiser stuff you know all those years in oakland um i don't know it's just like sure we stay in touch with each other like messages here and there but it's super rare that was probably the first time we were all together in the same room in like 10 years or something you know who knows when the last time that happened yeah so also, also i'm pretty sure like Colin and Billy maybe clashed a little bit after Colin quit USD. I'm sure there was a little bit of like back and forth between them at one point, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. There was, there was. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to talk about any of that now, but yeah, I, I do remember that now that you mentioned it. Then, you know, during that period, Colin was clashing with a lot of people. So I'm sure Colin might not even remember. Yeah. That's part of it too. But um, yeah, no, we all like, we're all brothers. You know, we, we've known each other long enough. We know who we are as people. We've, you know, when you travel with people, when you spend so much time with people like on tours and stuff like that, you know, somebody inside and out almost at that point. So, I mean, I'm sure you know this too. Um, yeah, we're all brothers, you know, it's like, just like how I talked about with Chris and Courtney Brown from Be Unique. Like when I saw them at Alex's funeral, I feel like we didn't skip a beat. Like we were still yeah. like, it's like, I felt like last week we were just skating together at the skate park or something, you know, and that's how it always is. But yeah, it was probably awkward because it was the first episode we had guests on, on the podcast. And we had no idea what the hell we were doing. <laughs> I took like, yeah, I mean, Jump Street just kind of came out of nowhere. And like from from the like get-go, I, I feel like it's just been a raging success. Like, you know, you've had, when you were just doing it at the Staten Island, well, at your home, essentially, you've, yeah. got, the, <laughs> you've got the luxury of pros basically passing through town all the time so you've just you've got this like steady wave of guests that you can have you obviously know what you're doing with you know filming and lighting and editing and stuff like that you've had like a lot of experience with it billy is you know he's cocky he's a natural showman like if, <laughs> if you shove a camera in his face you know he's going to start performing so i feel like it was it was a great marriage and it's it's worked well until now like are you you know, you guys are over a hundred episodes deep. Yeah. All this stuff, you've been to all these events. Like, are, are you surprised by how well it's done? Um, I don't know if I would say surprised. I am more impressed by the fact that we're still doing it maybe, but that's part due to the little bit of success that we've had. Like people still enjoy watching it. People still are excited to be on the show. So that is part of what keeps us going when we started it obviously billy was in new york at the time so like you said we were able to do it here in person it was like something different that skating had didn't see at the time um we were lucky enough that it is new york and people were coming in and out constantly like we 
didn't have any point where we like were running out of a guest to have on. Like it was yep. so constant. And this was pre-pandemic too. So it was like traveling wasn't tough, you know, because I could imagine if Billy was in New York, we would have had like a whole year and a half or something like that where nobody was coming to New York because of travel restrictions. Um, but yeah, he, then he left and we ended up doing it virtually anyway. Um, I don't even remember what the point of me talking about this was. Oh yeah, but no, it's it's. I'm happy to see that we've gone this far because that's the problem with a lot of a lot of the ambitious ideas that skaters might have. They might start an endeavor and then it only lasts a certain amount of time and and that's it. And a lot of people did start like podcasts during the pandemic and they haven't necessarily lasted or they slowed down a lot, which we're trying to keep as consistent and as constant as possible. Um, we love doing it and we want to do it more and more and people like I've asked me, like if I had a favorite guest and stuff like that. And I'm like, I never do because it's always like, I always do an episode with somebody. I'm like, damn, that was so awesome. Like that was my favorite episode. Then I'll do the next one. I'm like, no, that was my favorite episode. Like it gets, it's still enjoyable to do. So I'm happy that people are enjoying it as much as we are, because I, I would like, we like to keep doing this for as long as we can. Can't believe you didn't name Walt Austin as one of your favorite guests. That's, you know, that's a given. He's your favorite skier, and you're not even you're not even going to give him the the shine of being one of your favorite. He came across really well. He came across just as I pictured him. Um, the only Where? like the oh, just on the podcast, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like oh, okay. you know, he's always came across as weirdly. He got in contact with me like out of nowhere about a month, couple of months back, just to be like, I know you're a geek. Has this song ever been in a skate video? And I was like, Is that all he said to you? Basically, um, <laughs> and I was like. No, nah, I was like, no, nah, that, that song definitely hasn't been used. And I was like, that's really strange that he's got in contact with me because why would you but know that. who I am? But yeah, <laughs> but he's always, uh, that's what I quite, I like like blunt, straight shooting, like like no bullshit yeah. people that you just, you know, they tell you what's on their mind rather than you have to be like, does this person like me or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty um, funny. But I mean, I'm paraphrasing, it wasn't that blunt, but it, it, was, it yeah. was very much along those lines. But yeah. the, the only episodes of Jump Street that I have been disappointed by is when the person isn't like they used to be or like mm. or like doesn't kind of live up to the expectation of the person and that's not their yeah, fault. Absolutely. Like people just change over time like you know mm. the person that used to be cocky and arrogant and like the showman is no longer that guy mm-hmm. or like you know I'm not I'm not going to start like listing them off but then there's people who are exactly like you remember like people like Jeff Fredericks Fredericks, 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 yeah, Jeff Fredericks, yeah. Like he always came across as like that loud, obnoxious, hilarious guy, and then he comes on your show, tans about three bottles of white wine, and just and (laughs) just everything that you like always had in your head of him being, um, and is still utterly hilarious. So Yeah. yeah, like when stuff like that happens, you're like, that is great. Has, or like Mike, like like <laughs> Murder Murder has just always been that goofy, geeky, hilarious guy. And then he comes on the show and he's he's that and so much more. Yeah. He remembers all the stories and you're like, that's unbelievable. Um but but there's people that come on that just completely blank. Like like Abdel Coburg came on and he was in USD at like the transition period of it being, you know, DL. Kevin Gillan, Arlo, Julio and all that to then the new generation. And he could not remember a single story from his entire blading career. How it is happens. that possible? I don't know. I, I think people get really nervous. I mean, you should know this too. People get like really nervous when they do yeah. interviews like this and stuff. And especially when it's live, it's a little more 
intimidating, I guess. Uh, people do. We have had guests that are like, we're talking before the show. Everything's like, yeah, we're super loose, like chatting it up, whatever. And then like as soon as it starts, they're like a deer in the headlights kind of thing. And then they start to loosen up throughout the show. But it's just people aren't used to being put on the spot like that. And that's kind of, I'm not going to say a problem in skating, but like another reason why we wanted to start Jump Street was to build this a little bit. Because like what if skating was in the X Games next year or the Olympics and like people were getting interviewed and stuff like that, like are skaters just going to be in front of a camera like uh yeah i'm happy to be here like get like some practice in you know like like yeah. real athletes have that you know so um i mean it's, that's like it's a small part of everything but it's something like i definitely thought about too as well like people if someone is trying to be pro whatever you should be used to being comfortable in front of cameras and people and having interviews and conversations that's definitely something that i lacked when i was young and trying to be pro at that point i was like the shyest quietest little closed off kid ever. And I wish I was the complete opposite at the time. Um, but that, that's all part of it too. And like you said, then the opposite end, like people like murder come on or, um, Jeff Frederick come on and they're like the same person you remember. And that's what makes some of those shows, some of our like fan favorites, because same thing with Brian Shima too, like Brian Shima became easily one of our top episodes because after not being around for so long, he came back for that interview and, he like lived up to everyone's expectations and everyone's hype. So um, yeah, people like gain even more respect for these people like that, even if it's years after they've stopped skating. Yeah. Although there was one thing Brian Shima said in his, and I was like, I'm calling bullshit on that. I don't know if I believe a word that just came out your mouth there, but yeah, I'm sure at one point he said that his main game part, his first main game part in Brain Fear Gone was just all fillers. Fillers. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Like, no. yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, that's just the stuff we didn't want to use for coup d'etat. And I was like, no. I know. It's pretty funny, right? No. <laughs> no that's, one's buying that. <laughs> that's just the level that he's at. He looks back on that. Because when you think about, I mean, I'm not going to speak for him, but look at all the shit he's done after that. Fucking insane. So looking back on that, you're like, I understand, you know? But there was still stuff in the main game part that leveled up on the stuff yeah. that he did in the USD section. So for him to say, oh, yeah, that was just the throwaways no <laughs> and also do you think shane would accept that do you think shane like shane coburn and dustin latimer of all people would go oh yeah we'll just take we'll just take the the people yeah that's cool <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i mean it'd be really interesting to know that if we had dl and shane and them all in a room together talking about that that would be insane yeah i, I know that billy's asked I know that Billy's asked Dustin a few times. I'm, I'm assuming he's asked Shane as well because Shane's been to a few blading cups and I um, imagine you guys love cross paths. No? Uh, yeah. Bill, I mean, I never met Shane before. Billy obviously knows him because he wrote for Mind Game. I'm sure Billy has asked him and something has happened. And I, I, I don't know, like it's, it's happened so many times that like people also don't understand it too. People like want to see a certain person on the show. And I'm sure you have the same problem as well. Like, people sometimes don't want to do it. <laughs> like they don't want to do it no matter how hyped they are. They don't want to do it. I, f I feel like that happens to me a lot more than it happens to you guys. People are happens as likely to say no to Austin Paz and Billy O'Neill as they are to bald random guy from Scotland. <laughs> it still happens though. It still happens. And it's nothing that we could do about it, but it has to be something that is understanding for people. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I can't remember Billy would have been the one to have asked Shane and I don't know what happened with that, but I mean, if it happens, it happens. If not, whatever. We can't be mad about it. Who who else has turned you down? I, I, need, I need to know. 
because well, I've, you, I've, you I've, you I've got a list of about that. 50. <laughs> <laughs> you said Dustin, so that that's one. Right. Um, I think we've asked Alex too, because Alex Brasco has been oh, like a huge yeah, request. Like, he, yeah. He's, Alex isn't a talk, like Alex isn't a talker. That's, that goes, he, like everyone knows that. Yeah, he and like Danny Beer, they're like, oh, we want to do like in person or an event. And then like you go to an event and like they're busy doing stuff the whole time or whatever. So it's kind of tough for that. Um, there, I can't think of offhand many other people who have turned this down, but it's usually like the bigger, obviously the bigger names that people want to see. Yeah, They're obviously busy and have other things to do and whatever their reasons might be. But you got to respect everything that everybody wants to do i'm not mad at anybody for turning us down for not being on the show oh like definitely like the, the whole point yeah it, all you can do is ask and if they're not into it that's their right they've like, exactly they've, and 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 we've also learned in the past too that like asking people or like not not forcing them but like like i guess you could say kind of say like kind of like pushing it on them to be on the show when they don't want to be on it also brings out a bad podcast and it'll help uh, it's just it's not good all around. Like a podcast should be natural. Yeah. Both people should be comfortable and everyone just has to be understanding of that because that's going to bring out the best experience for you, the listener. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. Yeah. If you coerce them into it and they're not, also they're not going to open up because they're like, exactly. I don't want to be here. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want that at all because it's going to make a, a just a bad episode and it's going to make it hard, especially for like someone like you, like you, the interviewer, like, it's like, oh, you're not giving me anything. <laughs> you have to kind of like yep. feed off each other. You know, you can't just, it's not like an old school, like interview for like a, a magazine or something like that. You ask a question and get an answer and that's it. Like there's a conversation happening here. Like we're both genuinely interested to be talking to each other. Like you need that kind of synergy to make a good podcast. Yeah. That is quite funny that you should mention that because uh, I had, I had that exact experience. Well, I didn't force the person onto the interview. Their sponsor did. Ooh. And it was, it was uh, Levy Van Rijn. Oh, really? But it was before I was doing the podcast. It was just interviews. But I've always done all the interviews for any article, either face to face or on the phone. Mm-hmm. Which is why I had all the odd. I had all these audio files ready to be a podcast, and I wanted to make like an archive of it. Mm-hmm. But I could never get the quality good enough. And then you guys started Jump Street, and I was like, "Well, now I don't need to do it." But then <laughs> it's tight. As time went on and like obviously technology improved and stuff like that, I was like, oh, I could now start using Zoom to do it. Mm-hmm. But I had all these audio recordings, but one of them was with Levy and I can't remember whether it was Kevin or Peter, but they, basically they were doing the adapt video and they were like, you need to speak to Levy. He's going to be the star of the video. And I was like, never spoke to the guy. I don't know anything about him. No, mm-hmm. no, you like and they basically like coerced both of us into it, and then Levy just gave me one word answers to every question. And I was like, uh, I don't know how I'm going to write an article about this. It's rough, and now we've just wasted each other's time. And I still put out an art, and it was the worst. Um, it's definitely the worst interview that was ever out on the website. It, mm-hmm. You learned nothing about him, and I was just like, <laughs> you just didn't want to be there. Yeah, and that sucks because. Levy's such an awesome guy, awesome skater, and I'm sure people want to learn more about him. And it's not necessarily his fault, maybe, but when it's not natural and not meant to be, it just it's a bad look. Yep. At, at some points, Kevin was even answering for him, and I was like, "Why? Like this? <laughs> like this makes no sense. You can't give answers for someone else." <laughs> yeah, it's not Kevin's interview. <laughs> but yeah, I, I fully get that. Also. Were you aware that you, for the first year of Jump Street podcast, had your own viral catchphrase? What was it? 
I did not know that. I didn't know New that. York sauce is good. I didn't know that you did all that. Yeah. I didn't know that at all. Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. <laughs> did you? Did you? I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I was tempted to actually go through the first 10 episodes and just like cut them out and make a little montage. I might you still do, do that. I you might should still do, that. do that. Do that for my birthday, please. But that became like an <laughs> ongoing joke. And it led me to believe because I always thought like you and Billy O'Neill have known each other for years, right? You've, you know, he, I only actually learned this like in recent years that he was the one that basically got you on. Oh, what the? I don't know. Wilson's falling apart. Wilson <laughs> headquarters is <laughs> falling apart. This is like Billy's, uh, Billy's Wi-Fi all over again. <laughs> Well, you got a lamp falling down? I actually broke this lamp less than a week ago and had to get another one. <laughs> but this one's up. There we go. That was weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. And the catch, the catchphrase that you had only came out at specific moments, which I was not the only person to realize. People actually started like contacting me to like ask me if I'd like spotted it. Uh -huh. It was only when Billy told tour stories tour stories yeah so uh, okay. tour tour stories so like he would he would tell a story about being in a foreign country with usd or power slide or something like that uh-huh and tell this really like engaging so and then you afterwards you'd always be like wow i did not know that <laughs> like i thought these guys had known each other for years like, like you came to me with something like that somewhat recently too i don't remember the exact situation but you like you messaged me like how the hell didn't you know that like you two like knew each other for so long and you didn't know these things and i'm like i'm just as surprised as you are i didn't know that <laughs> what, what do you want from me i didn't know that <laughs> um yeah i can't remember what yeah there's... do you remember like it, it was it was like a couple months ago probably it may oh i i'm pretty sure that was a drunken that was drunken texts I, I can go back and look but yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was drunk index. Actually, because it, it couldn't have been after, it wasn't long after like the first Blade Shade, because I remember you sent me like a sarcastic response being like, you can shove it in the next episode. I and you did put it in the next episode. And I don't remember what it was exactly. It was in this, like the second episode of Blade Shade or something like that. What was that? Now I'm going to go back and check. There was a little story behind that too, at least from my side of it. But I don't, I, I guess I don't remember what the, the topic was. A recent episode of Jump Street with Dominic Sagona. Austin Paz blasphemed Senate, claiming it died after Dominic, Randy, Louis, and Josh left to start Second Regime. Weren't you on Senate for like a week? Yeah. Or something? I was. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you how do you on how you on Senate for a week? Because the Senate was like the biggest company. I mean, yeah. maybe it wasn't at the time. That's why it was so easy to just like leave. But because I think you went to Second Regime or something like that, right? At that time, it was definitely the right choice because Senate was probably already on its way out at that time. If I'm correct. You are not correct, Austin Paz. Clearly he doesn't remember the excellent second Senate video Standfast, which featured the world's first fakie 360 True Top Soyal from Blake Dennis, showcased arguably Shane Skower's best section to date, had the Aaron Feinberg Ender section that turned every skater into a Weezer fan overnight, and this epic two-word quote from Bruno Louvet. Are you going to grind it, Bruno, or stall? Grind it. Grind it. <laughs> 